It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show on this Monday. Very happy to have you all along. And tonight, after, of course, I check out the download of the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com, which you can get every day, no charge on demand. You can also subscribe, which we recommend. I will be watching later in the evening the NCAA championship game in men's basketball, which will feature the Kansas Jayhawks and the North Carolina Tar Heels. The Jayhawks pretty easily beating Villanova in the Final Four, the early game on Saturday, and then the much-anticipated Duke-UNC epic showdown, which was epic. It lived up to its billing and all of the hype. And joining me now to discuss both the weekend and the game tonight is Matt Napolitano, sports reporter at Fox News Headlines 24-7 at Sirius XM Channel 115. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Napolitano. Matt, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Guy. So just quickly, let's talk about the Jayhawks, I think they are clearly favored tonight. They're a really good team. I actually saw them in person this year at Allen Fieldhouse when they demolished Baylor. And I'll be rooting for Kansas because my father-in-law is a Jayhawk, and so there's a family connection there. It was cool to have attended one of their games at home this year. Nothing against UNC, even though I still didn't quite get over the whole academic scandal that they have that doesn't really play into my rooting interest tonight. But what Kansas did in back-to-back games in the Elite Eight where they were down at halftime and then just poured it on Miami in the second half in a total drubbing where they were trailing and then won a blowout. And then Villanova, a very good team, they were just in control of that game, the Jayhawks were. They are a favorite for a reason, yes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they really proved themselves, like you mentioned, in the Elite Eight and the Final Four. It looked like Miami was really going to give a run for their money in the Elite Eight, but you know what? That second half just completely changed things around, and that's what we've seen a lot of out of Kansas. They've been a second-half team for a good chunk of this tournament. They showed it against Creighton. They showed it against Providence. The only big difference maker was the Final Four, where they just ran wire-to-wire on Nova, but this is an incredibly talented team led by Ochai Agbaji. He's been an unbelievable standout. He's going to be heading to the NBA draft after all this is said and done. He's definitely going to be at least somewhere in the top ten in terms of where he lands. Remy Martin has been impressive off the bench for the Jayhawks. They seem to have everything running on all cylinders, which is really impressive when you consider in that Midwest region of the bracket where Kansas was the one seed. A lot of people kind of rode them off because it was a pretty stacked region of the bracket. I mean, you had the likes of Providence. You had Auburn, Wisconsin. A lot of people really didn't see KU they can have in the breakout here and lo and behold bill self and company now have a chance at their fourth national title in program history yep 40 minutes away from doing that potentially against unc with the tar heels beating their hated rival duke and look a duke unc game in the final four under any circumstances would be kind of 10 out of 10 drama in terms of college Mm -hmm. basketball and storylines but you add in the fact that mike krzyzewski was coaching perhaps his final game, and it turned out to be his final game as the head coach at Duke at the helm in Durham for decades, to go out with a loss to UNC in the final four is about as intense as it gets. And, Matt, you go back to the end of the regular season. UNC beat Krzyzewski and Duke at Cameron Indoor in the final game in Durham ever coached by Coach K., That was a big accomplishment for UNC. Their fans were very excited about sending him off that way. But then they had an opportunity, Duke did, to get the ultimate revenge in the Final Four on a much bigger platform, and then the Tar Heels come back and beat them again. That was a game that people were, I think, you know, looking forward to and talking about for days. And it was one of those examples where a game with a ton of attention truly lived up to the attention. It was a nail-biter, a thriller back and forth, and the Tar Heels just made really one or two bigger shots than Duke did. 
They struggled from the free throw line, the Blue Devils, at the very end of the game. And, you know, my hat is off to Coach K. I've never been a Duke basketball fan, but what he's done there is amazing, and he is a legend. But the bragging rights for UNC are going to last a long time. I mean, the celebration Saturday night in Chapel Hill after UNC beat Duke, you'd think they had won the championship. You'd think they had won it all because of the fact that they handed down loss number 368, which is going to sting forever for Coach K. And the fact that it lost the last one came at the hands of the Tar Heels. Really, UNC flew under the radar for this entire tournament all year long, quite frankly, because a lot of people didn't think they'd have it in them under first-year head coach Hubert Davis that they weren't going to be able to really power through. But they really had the the odds stacked against them, and they managed to persevere. I mean, they just... Well, they're peaking at the right time, because I watched them them a little bit during the regular season, and they were... You know, underwhelming they, they at brave. times, they were not but brave. they were really hitting their stride when it mattered. And they've just been one of these teams with a lot of talent, obviously, that's put it together. Right. And here they are in the championship game tonight. I mean, you saw Caleb Love in that final four game against Duke. You know, it looked like he was running out of steam there in the first half. But the second half, he really just delivered, bringing out 20 points after that, including the dagger three that really sealed it for the Tar Heels to advance on to tonight it's a really talented group armando baycott is going to be playing in this game he did suffer the ankle injury on saturday but he's looking good to go for this finale which is a huge deal for the Heels. they're going to definitely need him to step up on defense against this ku team because they are definitely powerful in the paint they got a lot of big guys it's going to be a fun matchup to watch but unc earned their keep to get here you know they didn't have it easy they took down baylor they took down ucla you know, they took down Duke. It was not easy to get here. Yeah, you know, people say, oh, well, they had to go up against the 15th seed in St. Peter's in the Elite Eight, and it wasn't the same St. Peter's team. But you know what? You're still going up against the Cinderella. Anything can happen. And UNC didn't let that get the better of them. They showed them who's boss. They welcomed them to the big leagues, in a sense. And now here they go, going for their seventh title in program history tonight. And Hubert Davis is trying to become the, I believe, he's just the second coach uh, to ever win in his first year uh, since Steve Fisher of Michigan. And it would be for the eighth seed, UNC, the lowest seed to ever win the NCAA tournament since Nova and Raleigh Massimino back in 1985. One more note and stat on Coach K, and this blew me away. Did you know, Matt Napolitano, that with his loss to UNC and Duke's loss on Saturday night, Coach K's all-time record against the Tar Heels is exactly 50 wins and 50 losses. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. I mean, just the the rivalry going back and forth. The fact that he as a head coach faced any program 100 times is unbelievable. (laughs) And for it to be UNC and to come out exactly 500, I mean, that gives you a sense of why that rivalry is as good and deep as it is. Absolutely. There's nothing quite like that battle for Tobacco Road. Really, there's just nothing quite like it. And you know what? It continues on with a new generation. Curious to see how it is under John Shire now as the new head coach over of the Blue Devils and now with Hubert Davis taking over the Tar Heels. It's definitely going to be interesting what's to come in years ahead. Who do you have tonight? Plain and simple, i got to go Kansas. I think you expect a second-half surge out of the Jayhawks, and I think they come away with this one. It's going to be a close one, though. I don't see North Carolina going down without a fight. What makes me curious is Armando Baycott's ankle injury, how much it really is impacting him and how much he's going to be on the floor. If he's at his peak, it'll be a harder contest for KU, but if he's not feeling too well and he's having an off night, it could be easy money for the Jayhawks. That definitely could be, and they're extremely talented. If they play anywhere near the level that they've been playing at, uh, I think that they'll probably win, but you never know. I mean, this is the beauty of March Madness and the tournament. You have one-off game, you start to doubt yourself, something goes wrong, and things can swing. But on behalf of my father-in-law and a bunch of his friends in Kansas and in Lawrence, I'll just say rock chalk and I'll be watching tonight. Matt Napolitano, sports reporter at Fox News Headlines 24-7, Sirius XM Channel 115. Matt, always enjoy it. We'll be watching. Sounds good, guy. Enjoy. Now, before we say goodbye to all of you, and I'll remind you I'm on special report tonight, coming up on the panel with Brett Bayer and company, so hope to see you there on Fox News Channel We want to quickly bring in producer Christine, who has a very special message for a very special person, and we want to allow her the opportunity to deliver it here. Hello, Christine. Hello, Guy Benson. I know you were riveted, riveted to that conversation about college basketball. You are a hardcore sports fan. You know so many intricacies, and I know you really just want to comment on sports right now. But we're almost out of time, so I will I will relieve you of that burden. I know that you you know are disappointed about that. But what other message do you have for us? Well, today is a fabulous day because it is my daughter Megan's birthday. 
and she is turning nine years old today. I have a nine-year-old. So I just want to say a very, very happy birthday to my sweet, smart, definitely sassy, definitely stubborn, but oh-so-lovable daughter. Um, oh, I'm going to cry right now. Ah, I love her so much, and she literally, as I said on my, if it's not on Facebook or Instagram, it did it really happen. I said, if I've only done- What about Twitter? Excuse me, you have to plug your Twitter- Oh, right. I, I forgot to post. I, that, okay. At Cookies Jar 1988. Right, but should I be posting pictures of Megan on there? Is that an okay thing to do? I mean, that's that's your call. You post it on other public stuff. Yeah, that's so. true, right? Yeah, I should post it on there. I totally forgot about that. Thank you. More content. Um, yes, at Cookies Jar 1988. Uh, please feel free to tweet at me. Send me some birthday messages for Megan. I'll read them to her. <laughs> But well, uh, as reason, <laughs> just whatever, whatever, just be nice. She's nine. Uh, any big gifts or is she already looking ahead to the big one? Oh, so she, she this morning she woke up and she told us, uh, don't forget a year from today. We are heading to Disney World because we told her um, when she was 10, we're going to go back to Disney. So she said to us, you better start saving because I know Disney's expensive. So, wow. yeah. Sorry. Worried. I mean, you say, well, sorry, sweetie. Disney's woke now, so mommy and daddy are going to take you somewhere else. wonder how she'd react. Mm, I, it depends. If we sat her down and explained it to, to her, she, she had a lot of questions over the weekend about Russia and Ukraine. Lots of questions. Uh, oh. I know. I know. She's a is she, is she getting a special birthday dinner, or do you do that over the weekend? So we, we went out with Judgy Joyce last night for a nice dinner, and then tonight she can pick whatever she wants to order in. And she is getting, I don't know if you would even know what this is, the Oculus it's those virtual, I don't even know really. Dan, oh, like the goggles, it? like virtual yes. reality stuff? Yes. Yeah. She's very. Well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good gift. Yeah. And her birthday party is next Saturday. So she's excited for that too. So we'll be celebrating well, for we'll, Maybe we'll get some updates on that. We'll check in on the party planning process, perhaps later in the week during a home stretch. But we are out of time for tonight. Back here tomorrow for the Tuesday edition of The Guy Benson Show. Same time, same place. See you on Special Report coming up in a little while, and then talk to you right back here tomorrow. Good night. Thank you for listening to The Guy Benson Show. They go to Love. Love's going to be the one to take it. Puts up the shot. It's off! The game is over! And Kansas completes the biggest championship comeback. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show, an abbreviated home stretch, GuyBensonShow.com for the free podcast. That was Jim Nance on TBS calling the final shot with UNC trying to tie it last night, down three late against Kansas. The Jayhawks walk away with their fourth national title in program history, another ring for Bill Self. And congratulations to Jayhawks fans everywhere, especially my father-in-law and his friends, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Big comeback, as you heard there in the call. They were down 15 points at halftime. I mean, it was looking pretty bleak. They were not playing well at all. And then they just turned it on in the second half. A really strong defensive effort. And it was the biggest comeback in a championship game ever. The previous record had been 10 points down. This was 15 points down. And they win by three. And you could see some of the shots on live TV of the total madness inside Allen Fieldhouse back in Lawrence, Kansas, with all the fans there storming onto the court and going crazy, those who couldn't make it down to New Orleans for the Final Four. And I simply have to point out that I, too, was at Allen Fieldhouse this year for the very first time. I was at Kansas's win over Baylor, a very decisive and convincing win at home. I had never been to Allen Fieldhouse, their arena, before. It was a Christmas gift from my in-laws. So we went out. I saw Kansas win. And just, what, weeks later, they are national champions. And this does remind me, I must say, of 2021 last year when I threw out the first pitch at an Atlanta Braves game over the summer. They weren't playing that well. Then they won that night. They won again the next night when I was there. And they went on to win the World Series, the Atlanta Braves. Benson brings championships, ladies and gentlemen. That's the obvious lesson here. Now, if that would only apply to my own teams. <laughs> That's been sort of 
more of a struggle. Back here tomorrow for the Guy Benson Show. Wednesday edition coming your way. Until then, have a great night. We will talk to you then on the Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show on this Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. GuyBensonShow.com, the podcast free on demand every single day. And here we are discussing a subject that we have not, I believe, we have not discussed before on the program. And that is fondue. I know this is a pressing issue. It was on all of your minds today. Why hasn't he talked about fondue yet? Uh, we were going to get there because we hit the important topics on this show, especially in this segment. Last night, Adam and I were at a birthday dinner for my best friend, Mary Catherine Ham. Her birthday was yesterday, so happy birthday, MKH. Very exciting. And this was organized by her husband. Her three daughters were there, along with the woman who helps with the kids. And then our mutual friend, Kristen Soltis Anderson. And we went to one of these chain restaurants that does fondue. It's called The Melting Pot. Have you been to A Melting Pot before? I went to one probably in high school. Maybe early college was the last time. So I knew the drill for the most part. It had just been, it had been a minute. And we had a lovely time. I just want to say the concept of a fondue restaurant is a little strange to me. And I'm not complaining. We had a lovely, slightly overwhelmed server named Ben because they were short-staffed because they are seemingly, based on what he was saying, sort of chronically short-staffed, as are many businesses right now. And one of Mary Catherine's little girls asked, are they all on vacation about his colleagues? And he said, they are not. And all the adults laughed. So he was very busy. He did a very good job. He brought everything on time. It was a handful. And I'm also not going to complain at all about melted cheese and dipping things in melted cheese. That's just a dream. I would do it much more often, as a matter of fact, if it weren't probably, I'm just guessing, not really very good for me. Because I thought it was going to be good. I was like, I'm going to just have the vegetables. Because for the cheese course, which is the first course, we got two different varieties of cheese. So they have two heating stations on this table with these pots that they bring in. We got one that was sort of like a Swiss raclette cheese combination with some nutmeg and a few other things and pepper. That was really good. And then and they, there was like a white wine base. And then we got a Wisconsin cheddar melt going. And there was a beer base to that one. Now, both delicious. And then they bring you these huge boards of things to dip into the hot melted cheese from a distance, these long skewer-type things. And among the dipping items were apples and broccoli and carrots, peppers of various varieties, healthier stuff. Right, The melted cheese is not going to be healthy, let's face it, but with veggies it's sort of more acceptable, at least in my mind, slightly healthier. I can defend it more on a Tuesday night. The problem was the other dipping items offered were a wide array of breads. And this included pumpernickel. This included, like, fresh, sliced-up French bread and just some really good French bread on a skewer dipped into, like, an alpine mix of cheeses. How can you not just keep eating that? And then, most dangerous, they had little pieces of warm, soft pretzel, which go very well with the Wisconsin beer cheese, let's be honest. So my plan of going 90% veggies and maybe 10% bread did not succeed. It was probably about 50-50. Very delicious. Then comes a salad course, which was hilarious. I don't think no one goes to melting pot thinking, you know what? Salad is what I need today. Right? You just have to sort of check some of those concerns at the door. All right, fine. And then you order various proteins, and they bring out new pots that they put on the hot burners. 
and they pour in various mixtures, and it just kind of looks like bubbling, scalding hot oil that you then cook your proteins in with your skewers. And they have a little sign, like a little guide on how long to cook different proteins. So I had my phone out and a stopwatch going, and I'm trying to keep track of everything, and they've got a bunch of sauces. It's just a whole production. I get the appeal of it. Mary Catherine's kids, I thought, were excited and entertained by all the things that were happening, although they were not really allowed to do the dipping because we didn't want them to hurt themselves and get burned. I would love to know the insurance policy at fondue restaurants because you are asking people to come in and pay money at a restaurant to then cook themselves on hot services sitting at the table. So you're going to get some potential issues that would arise in that setting that wouldn't arise in more traditional restaurants. I mean, there's also the question, is it really the way you want to spend an evening at a restaurant doing cooking? Like, to me, part of the appeal of a restaurant is to have someone else do the cooking for you. Now, granted, they do all the prep. They present it very appealingly. I am not criticizing it at all. And some people are big fans of fondue places, and it's, like, fun for the family or it's even romantic. Oh, we're doing this together. Oh, we've got our different skewers. I'll have a shrimp. Fine. It just was a fair amount of work is all I'm saying. And then when you're sort of doubting, was this a good idea? Because you've just had to work this entire mini kitchen in front of you. The chicken has to stay in longer, obviously, to cook than the steak. And if you forget that the steak's in there for a second, then that's going to overcook. I mean, there's moving parts. And you're like, okay, is this really what I wanted out of a dinner? But then comes the chocolate. It's like the cheese course, but chocolate instead. And rather than vegetables and bread, it's fruit and, like, waffle product. There was Rice Krispie treats. There was Oreo-crusted marshmallows. There were brownies, blondies, and pound cake. And, of course, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be good and just do the fruit. I'll do banana pieces, which were really good, and I will do... Pineapple, and I will do strawberry. I'm going to avoid the blondies, the brownie, the Rice Krispie treats, and I did not, in fact, avoid any of those things. I avoided the waffles because you all know my position on waffles. I do not like waffles at all, so everyone else could have all the waffles they wanted. But uh, I indulge in the other stuff. We had two different varieties of chocolate as well, the pure milk chocolate, and there was another one with a caramel-type swirl in there and some uh, some nuts as well in The mixture, that was really good. I think the most disturbing thing in terms of caloric intake from the experience was you could never quite tell how much you were eating because the portions are all not traditional. When you have an appetizer or a salad course, then a main course and a dessert, you can sort of see what's on your plate, decide how much of it to eat or all of it, and then you've kind of got a sense of how much you've eaten. With this, it was just... So much movement happening all the time in a way that you're not used to. I don't really know how many calories I took into my body last night at this dinner. And you know what? I'm not going to really think too hard about it. Maybe I'll do a slightly longer Peloton tonight. How about that? So that's my big uh, experience over at the Fondue restaurant for Mary Catherine Ham's birthday. Happy birthday to her. Extra workout for me. Christine, you a fondue gal or not really? I've been before and I've enjoyed it. Um, I am excited to tell you on Wednesday, it's called Friendship Day there. And you grab your besties and you get the best fondue friends forever menu. So I'm looking forward to sharing that special day with you. Oh, you're saying I'm the special friend. Of course. You're my best friend. Yeah, the only thing is I live in a different city and so... You know what? I'll volunteer, Dan. How about that? Enjoy that, Dan. Enjoy your fondue with Christine. You're welcome, besties. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, can we get a fact check on that, Wyatt? Back here tomorrow for the Guy Benson Show, the Thursday edition coming your way from D.C. Have a great evening. We will talk to you then. 
Home stretch here on the Guy Benson Show on this Thursday. Thank you for tuning in. GuyBensonShow.com. That's our website. The podcast, free of charge every day. GuyBensonShow.com. FoxNewsPodcast.com. Wherever you get your podcast. Also, follow us on social media if you have a chance. At Guy Benson Show. At Guy Benson Show. That's Twitter. That's also Instagram. My personal account on both of those platforms, at Guy P. Benson. So just smash that follow button, if you wouldn't mind, on both of those accounts, Twitter, Instagram, at Guy Benson Show, at Guy P. Benson. So last night I was on the bike. I actually had said on the home stretch yesterday, because we talked about melted cheese and fondue and how much of that I had consumed earlier in the week, I said, I'll do an extra long Peloton as penance to make up for it. And I didn't. I did an exercise, but it was my normal one. I didn't go extra long. But I was on the bike, and one of my favorite instructors is Cody Rigsby because he's entertaining, and he distracts you from your misery while you're working out with stories and other sort of fun diversions. And he was mentioning something that I hadn't thought of in years I think he and I are roughly the same age, and the playlist, so you ride the bike to typically like a style of music. So this playlist was an early 2000s pop playlist. So roughly middle high school to early college for me. That was the era. And he was talking about something that he did as a kid, which was, and he he didn't really admit to it because it technically was not legal. I think many of us allegedly did stuff like this at the time, which was downloading music from the Internet without paying for it, and there were certain websites that did it. I think they got shut down at some point. There was some big lawsuit, intellectual property stuff. When you're 15 or 16 or something, you're not really thinking too hard about that. You're thinking, oh, I'd like to burn a CD of that song I like. So he mentioned a website or a service that I had not, again, thought of in a long time, LimeWire. And I was sitting there being like, oh, there was another really big one. What was it called? And it finally came to me a few minutes later, Napster. So I was of roughly that age exactly when those things probably were at their peak. It was definitely not legal. I think the statute of limitations has probably run out. I'm now 37, right? It's been 20 years. And I didn't do it very much, allegedly, many people are saying. But because he raised it, I said, you know, on one hand, I would bet producer Christine was in on this action. On the other hand, she is so bad at technology. I'm not sure if she would have even attempted to do this. I was expecting that producer Christine, if she wanted to make mixtapes, she would literally hold one tape recorder up to a radio and press record and do it that way. And you could hear, like, her coughing and stuff in the background. Christine, am I right? (laughs) You're not far off. Um, So I, I may not myself have been able to download songs, but... That's why you had boyfriends. I always would have somebody like, I would be like, could you make me a CD, please? Like, of my favorite songs. And then I write down the songs that I want to hear. And then, like, in a day I'd have a CD. So you didn't do it because you were technologically incompetent, even at an age where generally, like, the kids are cutting edge. You were, you were not that. I, I, I wasn't great. Let's just put it that way. You would manipulate boys. Yes. To break the law for you. Uh, yes. Are you familiar with LimeWire? Does that oh, ring a bell? Yeah, I'm looking right now because I'm looking at Napster. I remember, I do remember trying, allegedly, possibly, to download a, a song. I, I, am I going to get myself in trouble by saying this now? Is it too? Okay. I don't think so. Okay. You could also just say allegedly. Okay, allegedly. And then, like, it would say, like, it would take like four hours and 50-something minutes to download oh, the one the internet song. was so bad, right? Awful. The internet was much slower then. So then I would get on my AOL chat uh-huh, and then aim. find, yeah, find somebody. And be like, please, can you make me a CD? Here's all like the 15 songs I want. Thanks. Come I was by. not allowed to do AIM. What? 
Yeah, it wasn't. And you know what? It was a very good call by my parents because the amount of time that was wasted on those chats from people in high school and even middle school, just oodles of time down the drain. People totally and like drama would happen over there and people would be mean to each other on there and be having these conversations and then taking sort of essentially screenshots, the old version of screenshots, like cutting and pasting and then revealing, look what so-and-so said about you. People don't change, thus the technology does. But But I wasn't allowed to do it, so I was out of all that drama. I just didn't do any of that at all in high school. But what about the away messages? That was the best part. Like, so you were gone, but you would leave, like, a away message. So if, like, somebody was trying to reach you, they would, a little message would pop up. Like, say, say you and I are on AIM. And you're like, oh, Cookie's Jar is online. Let me write to her. Like, and you go, hey, bestie, it's Benson here. And I'm not at my keyboard. So my away message may be something like, hey, guys, like Carousel, I'm gone. But leave a message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it'd be like little jokes and you try to be clever in your away messages. I knew about all of this stuff through osmosis, people talking about it constantly. Oh, did you see so-and-so's away message? It was so funny. That was like middle school. That is not a thing that I ever participated in. And for those of you who are of an older age or a younger age who have no idea what we're talking about, it is AOL Instant Messenger, and it was a big thing. Dan, you're my age-ish, right? Is Was Napster, LimeWire, you're also into music. Was that part of your world, allegedly? Oh, it was huge, allegedly. I loved it. I definitely gave my family computer a lot of viruses, by downloading LimeWire songs. Oh, my yeah. sister was, would try to use it. and she'd It was be like, not good for business no, on that front. No, 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 not at all. But I loved it. I had a, I had so many mixtapes, mixed CDs, I should say. And it was through my emo phase, too. So there's definitely a lot of fallout boy. And you had like an that. emo phase. Oh, my goodness. I dyed my hair black. I had oh. long bangs. And I loved emo music at that stage. What? So, so many mixtapes of emo songs. What would you say is the quintessential emo song of that era? Song, I don't know, bands like My Chemical Romance uh-huh. and like Taking Back Sunday, Fall Out Boy, very angsty teenage stuff that really, you know, gets to the core of you. See, I was like downloading probably Billy Joel and then probably a few songs that if my parents had really had some more cultural awareness, just seeing the download list, they might have had a clue that one day I'd be married to a man. I'm, I'm just saying. It was just, there were some, maybe some dead giveaways in there. In fact, I think on the broadcast here, we bumped into this segment with Shania Twain. I mean, hello? Hello? Now, across the glass from me here in Washington, D.C., in our Tony Snow studios, we have, of course, Quiet Wyatt. We also have our intern, Jordan. And they are both, well, Jordan's a college student at Howard. Wyatt is in his early 20s. So this is a very different generation. Millennials who are listening to us right now are like, oh, absolutely. They're like, I, I still have those mixed CDs. Oh, and you'd use Sharpies to draw things on the CDs and all of that. This is like this snapshot in time. For older people, they're like, yeah, I think I remember my kids doing stuff like that. Maybe. I wasn't downloading music. Wyatt, I'm wondering... Have you ever heard, prior to this conversation, have you ever heard of LimeWire? No, I have not. Napster. I have heard of Napster from the the Facebook movie, right? Oh, that makes sense. So you've gotten it through a pop culture reference in a movie, not because you were ever, like, aware of it yourself. Yeah, no. Whenever I wanted music as a kid, I would usually go to the store and buy a CD. Okay, so it was still CDs. Jordan, did you just, you can nod or shake your head. Did you ever buy a CD or are you too young? Yes? Okay. Because I feel like that's not really much of a thing anymore. Like I would go when I was procuring music legally, which was always, allegedly, of course, I would go to Tower Records on, I believe, Route 4 in like, was it Paramus, New Jersey, I think? You go to Tower Records, and that's where you wanted to, like, go buy the CD. And, it, you know, it was it was a whole ritual. And then the downloading era started. I don't think the last—I can't remember the last time I actually physically bought an album. I believe the first CD I ever bought was in fourth grade, and it was a group called Real McCoy. They had two hits— 
Another Night and Run Away, which were just peak early to mid-90s. Like, if you want to bottle 1994, 1995, and I was in, like, fourth grade, go back and listen to those songs. Oh, they play them on KTU FM in New York. This is just a nostalgia segment at this point. So this was not relevant, though, Wyatt or Jordan, really, to your everyday experience. These types of illegal downloads. Did you ever burn a CD? Is that You have done that? Okay. All right. So I guess the tradition held on a little bit longer. I had, I was very excited. I had a CD player installed into my very old car at one point. Although the other option was to have the little cassette tape thing with a wire attached to it that would then plug in to an iPod later or even a Discman, which was a very, I'd say, janky setup. But it's not, look, you do what you have to do. And you use the technology available to you. And back then, like the really rich people with the newest technology and all the money, they would have those cars with like a six or ten CD changer in the trunk. And they could switch CDs with buttons on their console of the car without having to slide physical discs in and out of the machine. It was all in the back. They had a whole array. That was really fancy stuff. That was amazing. And, of course, now it seems hilariously antiquated. Christine, you get the last word on this. I feel like you've got more things to say. I had so many of these burned CDs, but, um, I mean, mostly there were 80s. There was a lot of Michael Bolton, a lot of Phil Collins. And they were also bad, right? So they would, they like, the quality wasn't great, so they would skip. Well, and then We'd you go on, have a, to... like, a bump, like a bump in the road, yep. and the music would skip. And then you'd have to take them out and kind of like huff on them, remember? Yes. yes. And you'd then blow like on the CD and hope that that would work. Yep. <laughs> but I was lucky. I had a car in 2001. I got a brand new Honda Accord and it had a Whoa. six CD changer, like, but in the front. So you just put in all six CDs right away. Wow. And it had a tape player. This it was a very high end cookie. Yeah. That was a, um, um, a swindle on my dad. <laughs> Got him to get me a car. I had an old Ford Taurus wagon, green. Oh. So you had a six CD changer. I bet you part of your problem with Carousel the Pony was when you tried to put a CD into her, and that just wasn't working. You're like, we got to get rid of this pony. We didn't have CDs when I had Carousel. Oh, even worse, was it an eight track? We were trying to insert an A-track into poor Carousel, just the <laughs> amount of abuse. I'm not sure if the—we've talked about the statute of limitations on illegal music downloading. I don't know about animal abuse, Christine. I still— have to talk to some of our legal eagles about that. I'm still upset. You totally flew by my AOL out message. I thought it was pretty funny. It was pretty good. I, I smiled. I smiled here in the studio. It wasn't a bad reference. Anyway, if you were of a certain age between a few years, you have— been delighted by this segment, I would imagine. If you are not in that relative niche, you're probably like, okay, uh, looking forward to tomorrow's home stretch to see if they have something less specific. We will work on that. Plus, it'll be the Friday home stretch. So those are usually unhinged. So tune in for that. In the meantime, have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Guy Benson Show. Back here tomorrow, we will talk to you then. Homestretch on this Friday. Happy almost weekend. Happy Friday for sure. I'm Guy Benson. GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast always free, including bonus Benson on the weekends. And as we suggested right before the break, we have yet another moment here where I'm going to serve as producer Christine's unlicensed and certainly uncompensated therapist. Because there's some issue with her and her husband, Bobby, I don't know what it is. We did not review it on the call today. And I guess my help and advice is needed. And it's also very comforting to know that whatever advice I supply in this segment, she will promptly ignore, even though it will likely be very good and correct advice. All right, Christine, what's going on? Well, actually, that is not true because a couple weeks ago, I texted the group on a Saturday that I took advice of yours. 
and made a decision based upon that advice. What was that? So I went to a dermatologist to get a Botox consultation, consultation, sorry, and they had said, no, you don't need that. You need something else, and that's going to cost you $1,000. And normally I would just be like, yep, if that's what you think I need, let's go for it. And I thought, what would Guy Benson say right now? Don't make rash decisions. And I left. That I don't remember that text message. I must have missed that one. But that was, in fact, a good decision. Plus, I think you were going to save. Weren't you going to make a, a savings fund out of your Botox fund in order to go see Phil Collins on his last show if that were to happen? I think we discussed that at one point. Yes. So now that. There you go. Yeah. That face You've fund. saved $1,000 by not listening to them, at least at least for now. Okay, so so what is the current situation with which you need some assistance and some Just guidance? advice and just your thoughts. Because anytime I tell a woman this response to something I told Bobby, they're like, oh, that's terrible. And anytime I tell a man that, um, their response is a little different. So um, you know that I'm going on vacation uh, next month. So usually when uh, I go on vacation, I start to work out and diet. That's like, you know, it gives you drive to, you know, lose those pesky 10 pounds. So I've been working out every single day, walking my 10,000 steps, giving up alcohol. I only drink on Saturdays now, which you know that is very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And intermittent fasting. So I'm doing everything possible. Well, can I just interject here with a question are you doing all of this intense dieting and exercise because you know that you're going to then treat yourself on the vacation so you want to sort of do some stuff in advance to counteract the gluttony on the vacation do you want to look good in photos on the vacation are you trying to impress people who come into contact with you on this vacation like what's the motive here lose weight I I am not at the weight that I should be at. So no, no, I understand that you're trying to lose weight, but you're you're doing it specifically because there's a vacation coming up. Well, yeah, that always gives me drive because like we're going to like a warmer climate. You know, you're gonna have like less clothes on. Right. So you want to look you want to look good in photos and Correct. look good out and about. Yeah, okay. and just okay. for myself. You know, like got it. Um, so I've been really working my booty off. To, you know, like today I woke up at 6 a.m. and did an hour bike ride just to, you know, get it out of the way. Um, And I just cannot get that scale to move. It just, it it may move an ounce or two and that is it. it. It just will not go down. So I got frustrated the other day and I said to Bobby, I'm like so disappointed because I'm really working hard. And I, I, I can't lose weight. And he really just straight looked at me without a beat. And he said, well, you're 40. Like, maybe this is just your weight and you just can't lose weight and just deal with it. Like, this is what you're going to look like. And I almost lost my mind on him. I said, Bobby, we've been married for 10 years You are not a dumb person. You're actually a very smart person. And what you just said to me not only enraged me, it was the dumbest thing you could have said to me or to anybody, to be honest, that is you see working really hard. And he didn't understand. He thought I went off the rails, like I was the one that had the issue. So then I was telling people in the newsroom about it, and of course everybody like gasped. When, they, when I told them what Bobby's response was, except, of course, our very own Jimmy Fela came up to me and he goes, well, maybe your husband is a chubby chaser. Wow. Right? Well, I, I am mean, not okay. You are, first of all, not chubby. You're a petite person to begin with. So I think we can just put that out there for the record, number one. And people can actually... Check that out. Your photo, as a matter of fact, on your Twitter account. Your Twitter photo, at CookiesJar1988. That's a brand new feature these last few weeks. There's a better photo of her in a hot dog costume at one point, but now it's uh, her at a Christmas party. So that's at CookiesJar1988. I'm going to parse what he said because famously, 
in your 30s, and I can attest to this, and into your 40s, it does get harder in terms of weight loss and metabolism and things that would work in the past don't work as well anymore. And so perhaps what he was simply noting was your age now is 40, so it's harder, and you don't have to obsess over these things. He loves how you look as it is, and doing all that hard work is good just to maintain good health, but you shouldn't obsess on the number on the scale necessarily. That's sort of my translation of what perhaps he meant by that response. But that's not what he said. That is not what he said at all. And then he started to get angry. And I think the last thing he said to me was, I'm just going to throw that darn scale out. I've had it. That was his response. And I just don't, I mean, I just don't think, I'm just very disappointed in him. I'm very disappointed in him. Well, hang on. So what I just said in my interpretation, would that have made you angry? Kind of. I feel like at this point, if you're in a relationship for a pretty What should long, he have said? You what, look okay, amazing. What should he you have said? You look amazing. Keep going, honey. Like, oh, I see it. I totally, like, you know, maybe the number's not moving, but I see it in your face. Or I, you know, something affirmative. Not, hey, this just could be it for you. That's life, toots. See, I, I feel like, again, I'm just reading between the lines here. I wasn't there, and I'm only taking your account of this exchange, right? Bobby's not here to defend himself. Are you saying that I could be exaggerating? The I Never, never, ever would you get overheated about something and perhaps not totally exactly get every tiny detail correct. I know that uh, is not something that you would ever even consider. But I think the fact that he would be willing to throw out the scale— is him saying to you that he thinks you look good, he doesn't think you need to be obsessing over the scale and getting yourself all worked up about it and stressed out about it and angry and frustrated about it. He doesn't want that source of angst in your life because it is weighing on you, no pun intended, in a way that is not healthy and not needed, and he likes the way you are, and he doesn't want you fixated on this number. That's why he wants to get rid of the scale, because it's putting you in a bad place emotionally, and it doesn't matter to him the exact number on the scale. I mean, that sounds lovely, but I feel that he said he wanted to throw the darn scale out because he didn't want to hear it anymore. That's how I I took it. It could also be that as well. It could be both. But, I mean, you are a husband. Like, you would know better to never say something like that. I I just, I wonder, not all men are like this, right? I mean, did I just happen upon somebody that really is just going to tell me? Well, I mean, look, there's a difference between gay and straight men. I mean, the gays, you should see how judgmental the gays are. Really? It's off the charts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, to your face, they'd be like, Yes, queen, slay it. You keep doing what you're up to. We love you. Yes. They'd be like, Christine's starting to, you know, she's getting a little up there now. No. It's getting hard for her. That's hard. I'm going to go do my seventh workout today for these abs because I'm going to Fire Island next weekend. (laughs) Maybe I should work out with them then. (laughs) It would be intense. Just, I always I, joke that that I'm I'm not in that category of gay man because my phone autocorrects the word abs to wine. This is not happening. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'll, I'll do like 20 or 30 minutes on the Peloton, be proud of myself, and call it a day. And they'll be like, we're doing three a days. Well, that's what I feel like I have to do now. I have to just like up my game. But you don't have time for that. You have a career. I got to wake up earlier then. You know, no, no, no. Like you don't. This is like you don't want to uproot your life. You've got a career. You've got a daughter. You've got a husband. You've got friends. You've got responsibilities. Thank God it's not class mom anymore. But you have other things that you have to do. And so I think that it's fine to build in some self care and some workout and some exercise. That's all very good. But I don't think it's great for you to say I've got to do even more. I mean, if you're doing what, an hour of exercise every day and watching what you're eating and drinking? And 10,000 steps a day. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot, and I don't think that you need to— this is not a health issue either. Like, if you were needing to really lose weight because your doctor was like, hey, Christine, this is important, that is not the case with you at all. Like, no one would mistake you for someone who's even overweight. You're not. So I think it's important to also have that fact in this conversation because it's more like a little bit of, like, toning and superficial stuff that it's fine for you to want that for yourself but i also think there are trade-offs and it's fair for someone who cares about you and loves you to say don't obsess over this stuff don't obsess over it you don't have to i i get i get what you're saying but let me let me bring dan in you know in a a newer relationship dan if your girlfriend said what i said to you how would you have responded hang on you've been married for a decade He's not even engaged. These are different. Nope. This is different. It is a different dynamic. But, Dan, go ahead and answer the question. I mean, I'm compliments only. I mean, it's a must, must compliment situation. There's no question about it. Especially this new into the relationship. I mean, I could see if it's a longer relationship, you'd be a little more honest. But, you know, got to compliment. I think that's probably a best practice at this stage of a relationship, in my opinion. War Wyatt, what regimen would you put her on? Like more, <laughs> uh, more, you know, jumping jacks and push-ups with you counting them off like a drill sergeant? I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> but maybe just a little more Fox and Friends in the morning. Work out and, and watch Fox and Friends in the morning and, and do that. I don't know. Like work out for the entire three-hour duration of Fox and Friends. Just keep maybe, moving. Maybe Fox and Friends first, too, because, you know, there's the show before Fox and Friends, which is Fox and Friends first. That's like at 5 a.m., so. You hear that, Christine? I, All I, you have I, to I do is four hours of exercise every morning. <laughs> All right. Um, your your workout this... song could be the Fox and Friends jingle. Do-do-do-do, Fox and Friends. All right, I'm, I'm being told we have to break. None of this was helpful, so thanks. You're not getting paid. Well, as usual, I never do. Back here on Monday for the Guy Benson Show. Bonus Benson on the podcast this weekend. Until then, have a great weekend. It's the Guy Benson Show. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.